Bradley earlier asked about differentiation, just starting the process out differently than everybody else they've talked to ever or previously. And the client's going to be more like, you know, that actually is what I want. I want to be make sure I'm protected from all those big, scary things. I don't care about your 250, 500 weird numbers and your liability this and your <laughs> comprehensive that. And you're, you're really kind of just confusing me and throwing out all this jargon as opposed to, you know what, just protect my family. That's all I'm looking for. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Chris. Man, Barry Rutten, this podcast, this was the longest podcast we've done. I mean, we went a solid two hours on this. So we just had so much content. Look, there's a lot of people that offer a lot of really good things. But number one, Barry is probably one of the best wordsmithers that I've ever heard or been around. And he just has a really contrarian view about a lot of things. I think this podcast is jam full. I mean, for us, to, we could have made this like a four-part episode if we wanted to. Bradley, I am surprised that Barry does not have a book out. But after speaking with him, it was interesting to see how this man's already working on four books. And I got to tell you something. Typically, when I hear somebody talk for two hours, a lot of the time it's all fluff and maybe 30 minutes, it's actual valuable stuff. But Barry is so eloquent that for two hours, I was fully engaged. And like I was joking throughout the podcast, I was ready to buy life insurance from him the whole time because he really knows what he's talking about. I see why he's highly requested. I see why he's constantly traveling the country. So we definitely got to have a part two, part three, or part four at some point in time because this man is packed with knowledge. So I'm super excited, super pumped to see the amount of value that our listeners are going to get out of this because it really is, I would say, the most information-packed podcast that we've ever filmed or recorded, I should say, and it's all jewels. So I'm excited. Let's get into it. Get your pen and paper together on this one now. <laughs> Google makes it easy. Swipe a card, pay for marketing. Sure, you get a few more phone calls, but they have nothing to do with your business. The truth is Google can't understand the buyer's intent. Enter Matt and Maddie Jonesa, the husband-wife duo adding intention to your online marketing game. As a State Farm agent himself, Matt built his business by maximizing the volume and quality of inbound calls. His success led to the creation of DirectClicks, a company helping insurance agents across the country grow their business through online campaigns. They focus on Google ads, so you don't have to spread your budget across the internet. With attention to detail and transparency, they provide monthly review calls, exclusivity, and the lowest cost per click. So before you swap that card, contact Matt and Maddie Jonesa at directclicksinc.com. Again, that's directclicksinc.com. We're really excited, Barry, to have you on the podcast today. I'm excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to it. So I thought the first thing that we would do for people that don't know you and don't know your background, and certainly we're going to spend a lot of time talking about magnetic sales, but the first thing that I thought about is your experience has really prepared you really well for what you do today. So why don't you take people back, talk about your experience, your background, and what brought you to where you are today with magnetic sales? 
Yeah, the path to getting to magnetic sales system has been really interesting. And, you know, I think like a lot of people, I'm not all that much of a fan of telling my own story. You know, it seems so self-aggrandizing and maybe only my mom is interested or whatever. But I do think some of the unique stops along my path are really uh, what I think helps me help agents in kind of a unique way. So I started out in law school, mostly because everybody said I had a big mouth and would probably be good at that. And I was actually in law school for a little while. I didn't enjoy it and I left and I actually did a lot of soul searching and I decided what I liked about law was the idea of clients, but it all seems so negative to me. So I tried to find something that aligned with a more helpful role in relation to clients and I sort of stumbled upon financial planning and I had a financial planning practice in San Diego. I think the things that are most relevant to agents in terms of that piece of the background is simply that I had the good fortune of working with a company that addressed all areas of the client's financial life in sort of a global sense. It wasn't, hey, we're only focused on this and maybe dabble in that. It was a very uniform uh, approach. The other thing that, that was interesting is they really were insistent that you knew your scripts. You know, they had their script, of course, and you had to prove you knew about it. And at first, like everybody, you resist that. And then you find that if you really know the script, it allows you to focus more and more on the client and be able to really listen and engage with them. So that was really good foundational stuff. I had the opportunity to work in a very unique company where we installed insurance and investment advisors in community banks. And we were pretty widely spread in community banks and credit unions in Southern California. And the integration of those functions really took me in a different direction in terms of how do you take someone who's maybe having a conversation they expect, like a banking conversation, and then broaden that into a conversation they don't expect, i.e. a financial services investment insurance conversation. And I actually returned to private practice and I focused on sort of the senior market wealth transfer, so everything to do with long-term care and combining universal life with long-term care and estate transfer and things like that. And that was really interesting. I really enjoyed that. And one of the stops along the way is I actually became the director of financial services for a fairly decent sized bank here in Washington. And we have about 35 branches. And again, that sort of integration was really interesting because I actually convinced the bank to open, uh, actually to buy, I should say, a uh, property and casualty insurance agency, fairly substantial size, both commercial and personal lines. And so I had shot my mouth off with my boss, who was the CFO of the bank, and I had to make a pitch to the president and the board of directors for why they should drop $15 million to buy an agency. And I told them basically, well, you guys make loans on cars and houses. Why the heck wouldn't you insure them and get the recurring fee revenue that you like from the loans? And they're like, yeah, that's a really good idea. And then we integrated that into the other insurance lines and investment lines and things. And it was actually very, very, very successful, very profitable. And it gave me a really unique perspective on how do you sort of cast a really wide net that was not product-based, but was objective-based, goal-based, risk-based, so that the client really saw you in a global way. And that actually had a couple of benefits. One, lots of cross-selling, lots of products per household, lots of revenue per household, but it also dramatically reduced the amount of objections people had to deal with. That was always a fascination of mine professionally when I had my financial planning practice and throughout my career is having people not, I didn't like dealing with objections. To be perfectly honest, I hated it. It was extraordinarily frustrating to me. And as most agents can relate to, it seemed so obvious to me that the people needed what they needed, and yet they were fussing about 
premiums and things like that. And so I determined to really study that. And I've actually spent more than 30 years really studying that and understanding what goes on psychologically. And I think we've cracked the code. The agents who work with me are their most frequent comment is, I was able to sell XYZ, and then it's always in capital letters with no objections. And that's the agents, that's the team members, that's the thing people are the most excited about. And so it's kind of become a little bit of my calling card. So after working with one of the really large property and casualty companies for about 11 years, where I basically was in agents' offices every day doing joint sales appointments to really teach them how to do this process, I decided the thing I liked the most, because I really wasn't a good corporate guy, I decided that the thing I liked the most was coaching and training. And that's kind of what led me to establish Magnetic Sales Systems. And just the name itself, you know, my little tagline is powerfully attractive, incredibly effective. The idea is how do you attract people to you in an effective way so they simply do what they need to do for themselves, that they benefit from that work to you? Because I think, honestly, a lot of the things we do actually repels people, and in a lot of cases, unknowingly. And so I think sometimes being aware of those issues is helpful as well. So obviously, you've been in the financial services industry for a really long time, but we're going to talk about objections specifically today and how to overcome those or even how to avoid those objections. One of the things that was curious, as you were mentioning your background, is I'd like for you to talk about what you feel like has changed in the financial services industry since when you first started to where it is today and where you may think that it's going. Mm. Because as demographics change and The way people take in information, let's face it, I mean, there's such a huge commoditization happening in insurance and financial services as a whole. So can you just speak to that? Yeah, I mean, when I started, you know, there's a lot of technologies that exist now that didn't exist then that both make it easy, but also make the world a much more competitive place. You know, obviously no internet and things like that. And I can remember doing lead generation with actual ads in newspapers. And the response was to an 800 recorded line and I would have somebody transcribe the people taking names and addresses and then send them a free report and make the offer for an appointment. So it was a little simpler, a little more complicated than the simple nature of like a landing page with a, you know, you can deliver sort of a lead magnet with the click of a couple of buttons. But by the same token, it puts something physical and tangible in people's hands as opposed to something that kind of sits in their inbox and hides there. So I think the big differences are a lot more players, a lot more niches. There are a lot of people who said, you know, I'm just going to focus on Medicare or final expense or just this kind of commercial P&C and such. And so I think the niching, the internet, I think especially has allowed people to really niche down. Overall, I believe prospects and customers and clients, and I, I make that distinction. I always have that prospects are the people that you might work with. Customers are the people who may buy one thing from you. Clients are the people who buy multiple things with you and stay with you for a long time. I think the loyalty of those folks can be not as great as it used to be in the past, but I think I'm going to lay that a little bit more on the feet of the agent than the customer themselves. Are we doing what we need to do to retain those people proactively? I think because they are bombarded, this is the prospects and customers, bombarded with marketing messages from so many different social media and other sources, I think it's really easy for agents to get blended into what I call platitudes. What I mean by that is platitude is like saying something that anybody could say about their business. So for example, I said, Bradley said, I've been in business since 1987. Well, you know, so what? Anybody could say Mm -hmm. that. Does that mean you've been in business since 1987 doing things wrong for people? We provide great customer service. We have great claim service. These are all things that anybody could say. 
And so I think it's really more important to figure out what is your unique marketing and positioning message. And then I think you have to really think about your strategy when it comes to retention. And I think a lot of agents think they have better relationships with their customers than they really have. I think the people are a lot more fickle than we realize. I think they're very susceptible to the offers of others. But I think the good news is once they're your customer or your client, there's so many different things we can do to help retain them. And so, for example, there's certainly a very common belief that multiple products help retain a household. And I believe that, but I only believe that to the extent that the products came about from high quality conversations, because it's the conversations and the interaction and the humanization of that relationship that I think really lends itself to retention. The other thing that I think helps it lend itself to retention is, and we may get a chance to talk about this, but strategy-based sales, meaning if you have a person who came to you as a, you know, an internet lead and they're just looking for a price, that's a very slippery person. They may not stay with you very long. But if you have somebody who you're working with 10, 15, 20, 30-year goal, like college accumulation, retirement, things like this, that lends itself to frequent annual meetings. It lends itself to being a little bit more I'm sorry, less price sensitive when it comes to uh, changes in things like P&C rates. So I think that while the world is a little bit more of a challenging place, a little bit harder to get noticed, I think you're totally right. The commoditization of property and casualty is a done issue, meaning it's not a question mark anymore. The insurance companies decided a long time ago that they were going to race to the bottom when it came to focusing on price and discounts. And so I think it's up to the individual agent to make the distinction at the individual agency level, but that's a good thing, right? It allows them to be nimble and creative and not follow sort of the big company thought processes and be more entrepreneurial. And so I think that we sort of live in an exciting time where technology creates a lot of opportunities. And no matter what anybody wants to think, people are people, humans are humans, they want connection. They want to know that somebody has their back. They want to know that there's a plan. They want to know that there's a strategy. They want to know that there's an objective. And people are getting a little sick and tired of, you know, the keyboard warriors and social media and the anonymous stuff. And I think people are really, in my observation, looking for real human connection. So if we can link those two things together, that human connection, the long-term goals, the long-term strategy of really providing total asset protection. You know, I always like to say we really only do two things in our industry. Number one, we help people avoid financial loss. Number two, we help people achieve financial success. Everything we do falls under one of those two umbrellas. I think it's a really simple way to keep things sort of straight in our mind. And it's a really simple message to communicate to clients. When we offer both sides of that equation, that's when the households get sticky. That's when they stay with us for a long time. That's where you're able to attract more people, keep them for a longer period of time and have them pay you more money per year. And that's when your business is hyper successful. And then you need club capital to come in and count the money for you. Exactly, man. Well, I mean, there's absolutely zero doubt that you really know what you're talking about. But I feel like we should get granular with things. And I do have a few questions regarding just sales in general, because at the end of the day, insurance agents are in the world of sales. They are selling themselves. Yes, they are protecting people, but they are selling themselves. They are selling their agency. And I do have a question regarding objections specifically. Would you say that there's a difference between objection avoidance and objection handling? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things that really disturbs me when I work with agents is that they will go years and years and years and years continuing to 